Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. All right, let's go to Jeff Money Taylor because I'm more interested because I can make money on this in who's going to win the Preakness. And Jeff, welcome in. How are you? My friend, how are you? Been a couple of weeks, buddy. It has been. It's good to have you. Uh, good to have you on with us. And I have been heaping praise upon you and kicking myself in the face repeatedly since Kentucky Derby Saturday because you were the only person that I know that picked Mage. And I remember turning to you in David Longinotti's office and saying, Jeff, you're the only person I've heard that has picked this horse. And you just had a hunch and a feeling, and it worked out well. Unfortunately, you did play it and made a few bucks along the way. Uh, obviously, you got to like it this week with the shortened field. But what did you like so much about Mage and the Kentucky Derby? Just to me, was the one horse that, that really could take that big step forward. You know, Justin, we started this way back in December about how these two-year-olds, progressive three-year-olds, et cetera, et cetera, with only a couple of starts under his belt. I thought Mage had shown potential, and he showed it to the world on that first Saturday in May. He did take that big step forward. These other ones didn't regress as much as they kind of stayed the same, but Mage made that all-important move forward, which is what you have to do in these classic races. So, Mage, and the way that the field came up here, tell me what you think about the way uh, this sets up. And, and I got to think the way that Mage finished down the stretch, you know, moving it uh, a little bit longer races here coming up, you got to like uh, Mage's chances. Yeah, but you got you to gotta ask yourself, Justin, you know, you go to the, the wedding, as we say, at 15 to 1 with Mage. Do you want to go to the funeral at maybe a tenth of that price? You'll right. be lucky to be even money. And, and this game is, is all about clinical betting a lot of times. Uh, we love the pageantry. We, run, we love the romance. But in the end, most of us are in this game to make a little bit of money. And just the thought process, the whole challenge of handicapping. And at even money, I just don't think Mage is, is worth I mean, he's, he's obviously the horse to beat in here. Uh, Cox's Colts, I don't know if you let the uh, listeners know, first mission was uh, scratched earlier this morning. He looked like the primary opposition to Mage. So that means his price goes even lower than at 8 to 5 that you see in the morning line. I'm going to take a shot at beating him. I certainly wouldn't be any kind of surprise in here, but value really drives my whole handicapping process. And I think uh, Suge McGahee's got a live one in here. The six-horse perform, uh, not exactly the same metric as Mage, but he was a recent maiden winner, and he looked really good, I thought, in winning the local prep for this, the Tessio up there at the Laurel Race Course in Maryland a couple of weeks ago. He looked impossibly beaten at the eighth-hole block behind a wall of horses. He was still about three or four lengths back in sixth. He somehow find a way to win that race. It wasn't all that impressive time-wise, but he did show a lot of tenacity. He's a developing colt. They supplemented him to this race for $150,000. And Sugar's been in this game a long, long time. For him to agree to this move, I think, speaks volume about performance potential. And that's, again, what it comes down to is potential in these three-year-old races. And he's going to be not 15 to 1 in the morning line, but he'll probably go north of 10 to 1, uh, 8 to 1 even, I think, is a square mm-hmm. price on him. Uh, Red Rot 1 um, was the bridesmaid, not the bride, at Oaklawn most of the year this year, or the groomsman, not the groom, I guess would be a better uh, way to say it. And a couple of nice runner-up finishes and major preps, and then obviously a little disappointing in the Arkansas Derby, but certainly not embarrassing in the performance there. What kind of shot you give him here? I'd give him the big shot. I think he's become more and more acclimated to the blink- blinkers that uh, trainer Steve Asmussen put on him a couple of starts ago in that Arkansas Derby performance. He then ended up splitting the field, and as you mentioned, not a disgraceful finish, but one I think that was a little disappointing to some people. Uh, he showed really a lot more handiness, if you will, 
in winning the Bathhouse Roast Stakes there on uh, the third week in April, while the others were getting kind of ready for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, this one uh, got the uh, all fees first paid into this race by virtue of that Oaklawn win. That's an agreement Oaklawn and Pimlico got into a couple of years ago, and I think it's fantastic. Uh, Red Route 1, I think, is going to be a little handier himself. If you will, in this small field, you'll see him a little bit closer to the early lead. Not an overwhelming amount of pace, so he's not going to get that best-case scenario. But I think he's going to get involved in this. I think it's going to be extremely difficult to keep him at least out of the trifecta. Win, not out of the question, but I think maybe he's better suited for the bottom of the gimmick, second and third, and, and, and so forth. With first mission out, Jeff, you're down to seven. It's the smallest field since 1986. Is this an indictment of the sport, or is this – trainers and owners being a little more careful with their horses and not wanting to run them back quickly after the derby because obviously we had 20 in there. Yeah, it's it's a very complex equation here when you start talking about this. is certainly the small field is going to rekindle the argument of getting some more space between these races. And, and it's, it's not an invalid argument. I'm a traditionalist, as big a one as you'll find in this business, but perhaps two weeks between this race and the Kentucky Derby is simply too short. It wouldn't set a precedent. You know, the NBA playoffs, the baseball playoffs, they've kind of gotten extended schedules now when it gets to the postseason, a little more rest between starts. So you're not going to dishonor the game, I think, by maybe changing or tweaking these dates a little bit. Uh, I think an obvious solution, if you will, and, and one that I've heard and hopefully will get some tra- uh, traction, is go ahead and leave the Derby the first Saturday in May. Go to Memorial Day weekend, a big outdoorsy-type sports weekend anyway with the Preakness, and then move the Belmont back to the 4th of July weekend, mm-hmm. the first uh, Saturday in, 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 in July. I mean, it's granted, it's a lot probably less difficult, if you will, from a timing sense, but you're also going to get some of these late-developing three-year-olds into the mix as well, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, this is kind of uh, not a drought during sports-wise because we've got the PGA this week, obviously, but you could catch those big weekends. And I think the sport will get a little bit more attention by, by maybe rerouting some of their, their interest in that direction, meaning more space between races. It's a very critical, hypercritical time for our sport. With the fatalities at Churchill a couple of weeks ago, it, it's just it, it, we need to do something, I think, positive. And I, I really feel like, and I don't like change as much as the next person, but I think this would be deemed a positive move for the sport to get this thing rescheduled on those big, big weekends. It's just a built-in marketing uh miracle if you will it falls right into your laps mm-hmm. if you're gonna because those are big weekends racing wise anyway so memorial day fourth of july along with the first saturday in may makes makes sense and we'll just see what transcribes here i like that uh talking to jeff taylor on the brand of moving and storage hotline let me uh, ask for a little more conjecture here and the uh arkansas or oakland rather was very well represented in the kentucky derby you're down to red rot one with the oakland connections here uh how many of those horses do you expect to wheel back around for the belmont I don't think you'll see any out of here, to be honest with you. Even Mage, I think, would really have to think their chances of a race uh, three weeks later after the campaign he's been on. Uh, you know, you even hate to say it, and some people have gone on record, meaning trainers, that, uh, you know, even if we win the Derby, maybe we skip the Preakness and go to the Belmont. That's been a much more popular route. I think Brad's going to do, Brad Cox, that is, with uh, his, what he had, four represented in the Derby. Mm-hmm. You could probably see three of those back in the Belmont, but they're not going to be in the Preakness. So, it's kind of two out of three, if you will, in these yeah. triple crown races, which just strengthens the argument more. Something needs to be done to get more horses involved at the very top level, and these horses are top level. And it would be just a pity to see some of them facing some of them sometimes and not others and just make it collectively a really solid championship series, if you will, 
earlier in the year for these three-year-olds. Yeah, I like the identifiable dates, too, to your point, Jeff. I think that's a really good idea, and it would enhance those weekends and make it sort of the uh, – it would be in people's mindsets, I guess, that that's, that's the way that they fall. So first Saturday of May has got a nice ring to it. And then if you stick it on Memorial Day and Fourth of July, it just makes a ton of sense. And maybe they'll make an adjustment. We'll see. This is certainly uh, disappointing. Yeah, and this this thing, Justin, people think, oh, it's been that way since since the dawn of time, but it hasn't. This current schedule only came into play in 1969, meaning the two week and three week break between Preakness and the Belmont and the Derby. Uh, you know, I'm ten years older than that, so I don't want to date myself. But it, it's not like this has always been etched in stone. This is the way it should be for these three year old races. Uh, that move in '69 and Eight, I think, subsequent years, we had three Triple Crown winners after a 25-year drought prior to that. So at that time, the powers to be made a decision to regroup the races, and that is eons ago, believe me, 1969, when horses <laughs> ran every two weeks. That right. doesn't happen in this day and age. So I think some some, some movement needs to be made, and, and we'll just see what happens. It's going to be up not only to the individual tracks, but the industry at large, I think, to maybe come up with a collective plan. All right, very good. Jeff, thank you for the time, my friend. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you so much, Justin. All right, Jeff Taylor.